Campfire. Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week, we had the distinct honor of sitting down with podcaster and 4TN enthusiast, Kenzie Gleason. She's the host of the Crypto Chats podcast and one of the minds behind the Manic Pixie Dream Ghouls. We discuss her remarkable background, 20 years of ghost hunting, and the incredible social changes that have taken place within the 4TN community in the last decade. Kenzie is a great friend of the show, and this was an awesome chat. Enjoy. All right, Kenzie. First off, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm hyped. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Yes, definitely. I think I first encountered you as one of the co-hosts for the Manic Pixie Dream Ghouls podcast. Yes. If you would, could you give the listeners and, and me sort of an update on where that show's at if it's over or on hiatus or um so it's we had a rough go for a little bit trying to schedule um times to sit down and record um because sarah and i both just have so much going on in our lives all the time Mm -hmm. um so we just kind of decided that we would take a little break for a little bit um and we started recording again right before i moved um, and we've got some episodes written and we're like, just trying to make time to record. We kind of, I, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm about to move across the country. So maybe we just like take a few weeks off. And, yeah. you know, she was like, yeah, that's fine. I got some stuff going on in my life anyway. Um, so but that's really what it is now is I have been taking some time to settle into my job, settle into my new, my new life in a new region of the country. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of just been waiting for me to be completely ready. Um, so, you know, I, I give it another week or so until we're back recording, bringing our normal chaos to the world. <laughs> That's awesome. we got some good ones coming. And we, you know when you wait this long, too, that, like, when we come back, it's just going to be, like, off the rails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been saving That's up awesome. the manic energy to bring to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it'll be good. I'm I'm excited. I think um, this upcoming week is when I will start. So I did the same thing with Crypto Chats too. You know, like my other yeah. show. Um, with moving, I kind of was like, all right, I'm gonna pause for a little, not try to stress myself out and juggle moving across the country and two podcasts and writing a book yep. and this and this and this. I was like, I'll just pause on some of these things for a little, and, and yeah. you know, within the next few weeks or so is when when all that will start back up again. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. I'm particularly a really big fan of Crypto Chats. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I I feel like it fills a very unique space. Yeah. What would you say the advantages are? Because your, your format on that show is short form. Yes. Each episode falls between like 10 and 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking is how you settled on that format and why you think it seems to work so well for you. So originally in the first couple episodes, if you like go back all the way, like one through five, they were originally really long. 
Um, and I kind of reached a point where I was exhausting myself uh, trying to... And also, Crypto Chats originally started as a YouTube show. Um, okay. So I would, like, do my hair and makeup, get all set up, wait for the right natural light, and, like, you know, sit <laughs> in my room and just do this whole, like, amateur production uh, just to talk about cryptos for an hour. Um, and I, I started to get exhausted trying to do all of that uh, just yeah. for just for something that I could do in the same, like the, a shorter amount of time with the same amount of information. Um, and what, what really ended up doing it for me is that I started crypto chats in the summer. Um, and then by the winter I was working a manual labor outside job. Um, so I, you know, would get up in the morning and go be outside in the freezing cold for, you know, six hours a day. Um, and I would get home and it would be dark out. And I didn't have the energy to, you know, do my whole face, do my hair, sit in front of a camera for an hour just to then spend a bunch of time editing. Um, And I kind of was just like, there has to be a way for me to shorten this. Um, It also kind of helped, too, that a lot of the stuff that I like to talk about on Crypto Chats is like the weird small stories that, you know, one-off sightings or you know, things that only popped up for a short period of time and then disappear. There's, you know, not very much information about it. Whatever it is, the small stuff like that is, like, the stuff that I find incredibly interesting because it's just so freaking weird. Yeah. That there's no way to explain any of it, and I really like that. Um, and that that was another factor of it of, like, okay, so now is my this, you know, kind of pivot towards being a little bit more lazy with it. Uh, just because I'm exhausted. Sure. Um, But also, now here are all these topics that only really fill, you know, 10 to 20 minutes anyway, because there's not that much information. Um, But then you've also got the the aspect that, like, it's just me talking. Yeah. And I talk to myself as much as the next person does. Sure. But after a while, there's not much to say anymore, you know? You talk to yourself long enough, and eventually you've just run out of things to discuss with yourself. <laughs> and that's it's kind of it's kind of what happens, you know? I can only yeah. talk for so long before eventually I start kind of losing my own train of thought and getting a little messy, and you have to cut yourself off and be like, okay, well, this is where we're ending it now because clearly I can't... <laughs> form a sentence anymore (laughs) i've said all there is to say yeah exactly yeah i mean i like that because i feel like the alternative would be just sitting and speculating for 40 minutes Mm -hmm. after you've told the story you know i feel like there's a lot of that out there and i feel like especially with the kind of things you cover on the show yeah the fearsome critters the like lumberjack lore type stuff yeah the stuff that is less cryptozoological and more folklore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I could sit there and speculate for an hour, but yeah. does anyone really want to hear, you know what I mean? It's like, right. nobody really cares like about my personal opinion. Mm. Or maybe they do to some extent, but not for an hour, you know? Sure. Nobody wants to listen to me talk for an hour about what I think the fucking jackalope might actually be. Sure. Because I'll go in circle, I'll talk myself in circles for that whole hour about the fact yeah. that I think it was a bunny <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Like- right. Alright, so I'll tell you, when I fell in love with your show, 
was I put it on when I was about to do dishes. And mm-hmm. before I know it, I had listened to like eight episodes. <laughs> and That's so like, funny. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I just got so much information yeah. so quickly. That's the other part of it, too, is that like for me, I have I I have ADHD. I feel like that's no surprise. That's something that I'm pretty open about on sure. my solo show, my Manic Pixie Dream whole show, and just kind of in general. I'm a little bit of space. I'm a space cadet, and I know it, and I'm <laughs> happy to share it. Um, yeah. But for me, it's a lot easier to process short amounts of information like that. Um, and I have to be in a very, very specific mood to be able to listen to some of the hour-long shows. Yeah. Because um, I can't retain the information. I just And I don't want to miss out on things that might be important just because my brain can't catch up with it. Yeah, so, that makes a lot it, of sense. Know, for me, that that's easier, an easier way to learn. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so perfect example. My brother-in-law is like that with podcasts. Mm-hmm. He he um, he only follows podcasts that have a video format or visual component mm-hmm. because if it's audio only, he's just completely zoned out in ten minutes. Yeah, he's just not in it anymore. You know, so I turned him onto your show. Oh, and it works for him. You know, he he really enjoys it yeah. because it's like, you know, it's in and out. It's mm-hmm. all the cool details that you need. It's all the important points from the encounters. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's like the perfect little snippet of information. Exactly. Yep. And they literally stay mostly stems from my inability to sit for long periods of time and listening to talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you have a lot of kindred spirits out there. Um, you know, that in that way. Happy. So I think there's a perfect audience. Yeah. For that. Well, you know, what's funny too, is like, I started that show because like, I have always been fascinated with stuff. Like I have been doing paranormal investigations since I was six with my dad. Like I, I've been living this life for a long time. Oh, and, I got to hear about that. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I reached a point and this it, like really came to a head at, in the pandemic when everything shut down and I was stuck at home uh, where Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything to do. So I did what I would normally have done in, you know, over long periods of time, which is I just crammed my brain with as much information about cryptids and the paranormal and UFOs and high strangeness as I could. Yeah. Um, But I, as a person, when I am excited about something, I love to share it with anybody who will listen and I reached a point where I could tell my roommates were so tired of listening to me talk <laughs> about anything. Like, I would just be bringing it up and being like, oh, and you know, I was, like, thinking about this thing the other day. And I actually, like, and I just go on these, like, you know, down this rabbit yeah, hole to I my roommates who did not really care about this stuff. They, yeah. you know, at the beginning were like, oh, we love this for you. We support you. But after a while, they were like, okay, please stop. Right. Please stop telling us about the same thing over and over. And... Uh, I just, you know, somebody suggested maybe you should make a podcast. And I was like, well, you know, I don't really know if anyone would listen to it, but it would be a good way for me to kind of like share some of this information that I'm really excited to learn. Yeah. Um, And that's literally what happened is I was just like, yeah, this is a good idea. I'm just going to just going to talk into a microphone essentially to myself for, Mm -hmm. you know, however long about something I learned about that I think is cool. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great feeling, right? 
I mean, I feel like that's a thing that a lot of podcasters have in common. Like, I was obsessed with this thing, and everyone was sick of hearing me talk about it. Yeah. So I had to put it somewhere, right? I had to do something with the information. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I love to learn, too. Like, that's, like, Mm -hmm. I love to read. I love to, like, go on, you know, down the rabbit hole of any thing that's like particularly interesting to me that day and that's like that's my favorite stuff so i'm you know more than happy to kind of share whatever i've learned yeah with other people that that might also like to learn and want to learn about something they wouldn't otherwise hear or be exposed to sure i find the name of the podcast interesting because it's not cryptid chat yeah it's crypto chat so Mm -hmm. I'm sure you get lots of annoying, like, crypto bro, like, get so crossover. Many emails <laughs> right. from people yes. being like, let me on your Bitcoin podcast. Right. Yes. <clears throat> I had bounced some names around when I was, like, you know, before I officially started it. And I kind of, like, you know, every time I would think of something or, you know, have a, a brief idea, I would kind of, you know, search on Spotify or YouTube to see if, like, anyone had anything like super similar because i didn't want to steal anyone's name sure and eventually i just gave up and i was like this is fine yeah this works yeah because i didn't truthfully i didn't really expect like people to actually listen to it you know it's like this this is the ramblings of a crazy woman that has no one else to talk (laughs) to so i Hmm. didn't really expect anyone to actually listen or like you know at cryptid bash this year i sold a bunch of t-shirts yeah like i never really expected that to be the outcome i really more expected this to be like my my own little audio diary of the things that i've learned um so i didn't really think too much about it and now i'm kind of like well maybe not the best choice of a name because i do (laughs) get a lot of like messages on twitter of people like being like I do this Bitcoin thing and I should be on your show. And I'm like, please, there's a Bigfoot in the logo. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> but at this point, it's like, I can't change it now. So yeah. we're just going to live well, with it. Maybe the, I throw in thing... some cryptocurrency too. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the thing is, because it's crypto instead of cryptid, it really leaves you open to, you know, exploring things outside of cryptids. Yeah. So you could really talk about anything that falls under the, you know, Fortean niche. And, you know, crypto just meaning hidden. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So really, you could talk about any of that. Yeah, I I definitely do. I was thinking about that format, you know, applied to other parts of Fortiana. Yeah. You know, it would be great to get like a 10-minute summary of something like, I don't know, like the Kecksburg UFO event. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, anything I, like that. That's that's the thing too is I try to switch it up sometimes and like I I do mainly focus on cryptids cuz that's like that's where my heart lies. Sure. You know, and like that's the that's the stuff I like like the most. But I do like do UFO encounters and like cases and every once in a while ghost stories are a lot harder to tell. Sure. Then it's just they're I don't know, ghost stories for me, I love them. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing the paranormal investigation thing for over 20 years. So it's obviously really important to me. Um, But it's harder to tell a ghost story on a podcast um, than it is to tell, you know, something about someone encountering a UFO or like, 
a potential alien or like yeah. you know all these people seeing a cryptid in the woods or something so it's it's mostly cryptids but i do sprinkle in some ufo stuff and i actually for have sure, some sure. ufo episodes coming up this month that is excellent news so but yeah i think i think ghost stories require drama yes right yeah and it's all about the characters involved you know it it really is about the people, yeah. the the witnesses, the experiencers. Like when we cover ghost stories, it's it's it's, it's hard. Yeah, it is. You know, regardless of whether it's me or Ryan writing, the always per the other person always seems to be like, you know, you got to turn up the drama. Yeah, yeah, you got to be real, real weird with it. Yeah, and I can't, I can't do that. I know myself, yeah. and I'm <laughs> just like, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> So I just usually keep it to myself. We do, like, uh, occasionally do ghost stories on Manic Pixie Dream Pools. Because I think when you've got two people, it's a little bit easier oh, to yeah. kind of have that back and forth. Um, and be a little bit more theatrical with it. When you're just by yourself, it's very difficult to, like, be yeah, theatrical I can only about, imagine. oh, well, he saw a ghost in his doorway. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> also, with your short format, it would be really, really difficult to take the time to build tension. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because at that point, you got to do, you know, a couple. Yeah. I think I have maybe done one ghost story ever, and I think I paired it. I, I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I paired it with something else because I was like, it's just not enough. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's hard. It's hard to do ghosts. I admire anyone who can successfully do a whole podcast based on just ghost stories because it's it, yeah you have to be it's, like it's a laborious. real masterful storyteller sure. to be able to get away with that and that's yeah. not me it's not your girl i can't do that <laughs> <laughs> i mean i kind of like to take that approach with all of it mm-hmm. with cryptids and ufos i love the high drama approach mm-hmm. especially because the format of our show you get that 15 to 20 minute chunk at the beginning of the show, that story. And that's a really good chance to get really dramatic. You know, even sometimes you step outside of things and you exaggerate some things for storytelling. Yeah. I always like the, the Oscar Wilde quote, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yes. Yep. And then the debrief is where we really get into the truth. The, the things that inspired. Yeah. Yeah, the story. Yeah, here's where we embellished. Here is what yeah. you know actually happened. Or yeah. yeah, exactly. I like that too. Like, I really like that that form of of storytelling, and I like that podcast format a lot. I just can't do it for myself. Sure. So, like, I'll listen to other people doing it, and I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, I absolutely yeah. love it. But I also usually I write my own my episodes ahead of time, um, mm-hmm. and writing is really not my forte i i am genuinely surprised at myself that i said i'm gonna write a book because i failed english from like seventh grade on wow like every year so writing and like any sort of like anything that has to do with that you know taking something you learned and putting it onto paper in like a really like interesting and fascinating way is very difficult for me um, yeah, and I try very hard with my with my podcast episodes. You can tell sometimes because I'll go off the rails, and it's like <laughs> I definitely didn't write that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I either didn't like the way I wrote something, or 
I kind of just was like, you know what? We're going to ad lib and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but that's really like, I struggle with that. So that's why I don't do that dramatic storytelling stuff. But I really like props to people who can do it because it's so cool. Yeah. And it really like, it really does like elevate the story. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, do you think the struggle that you've always had with writing, do you think that's an ADHD thing? Yeah. Like, is that what it's bit. always been? Yeah. I think part of it too is, um, you know, I think I, and this is like so silly, but everybody like you're either good at math and science or you're good at like writing. Sure. And I am good at math and science. Yeah. Like that's, I just have always struggled with the English language. Sure. Words are hard. Writing words is hard. Yeah. My vocabulary is not that good because I can't, I can't remember any of the good words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But see, that's what I like about your show is like you said, it's written, but it's written in your voice. Yeah. That's true. Your show is very much written for the layman, you know, which is awesome. It's not mm-hmm. something that ever comes off pretentious. It's not someone sitting down with a thesaurus and choosing every word perfectly. Yeah. A lot of folks are doing that, you know, and especially if you know the person, it's like, You're wow, like, okay. you know, this right. is obviously Big not them. Yeah, but like your show is definitely written in your voice. Yeah. Well, I also I try to I try to make it like inclusive and accessible as well. Yeah. Because I know that there are all different levels of of experience um, and knowledge when it comes to cryptozoology. Like, not everybody walks into it and is like, "Oh, I know what every single thing she's talking about is." Sure. Uh, you know, some people are just starting out. Some people are more well-versed in it and i feel like uh i try to use like really easy to understand language yeah because i that's that's what makes it easier for me to learn um Mm -hmm. and i don't want anyone to ever like listen to my show and be like i don't understand you know the word she's using i don't understand how she's talking i can't listen to this yeah like i want it to be something that everyone can enjoy yeah a blow against gatekeeping yes yeah, I like Which it. Which is funny because of, of how many like gaslight gatekeep girl boss jokes. Yes. Like I, me and the Manic Pussy Dream Ghouls were like literally always making like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're always like actively fighting against the gatekeeping of cryptozoology. It's just like, it's hilarious. I mean, that's good because it's impossible to deny that gatekeeping has been a problem. Yes. And it's a oh, problem yeah. in most niches. You know what I yes. mean? Yeah. You know, whether you're trying to get into cryptozoology or, I don't know, like entering a Magic the Gathering card tournament. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, there's always gatekeeping. It's in every aspect of life, not even just like, you know, niche areas of of enjoyment. Yep. It's like everything. Yeah. Everything's yeah. got some level of, of gatekeeping in it. Someone's always trying to keep everyone else from having a good time, so. Yeah. Yeah, it it blows my mind. Look out for. All right, so this might sound weird to some people, but I think it's really common for guys in particular of our age. Once they hit their thirties, they they get into sports for the first time, especially guys like me who grew up like sort of all Mm -hmm. weird emo kid um, in high school. But they'll be like, "I'm just gonna watch baseball." now yeah because and I, I might be speaking for a lot of people i shouldn't but 
I feel like maybe we missed out on a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. But there is so much gatekeeping in the sports world. Mm-hmm. It is wild. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's there really it's, is. It's baffling. But I'll like I'll never understand that approach. Like you just I don't know, you just don't want other people to like what you like. Yeah. I think a lot of people see it as like I'm I'm cool because I knew about this before you. Sure. And you know, I wanna continue to be the cool person that knows about things that no one else gets to know about. Yeah. But it's like that's not that's that's just it's not cool. It's really rude. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> and it's fun. gonna be lonely. Like, don't you have any friends? Yes. Probably yeah. not, because you won't let people enjoy the things you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. It's like some b- weird, bizarro version of the guy who's always like, yeah, I liked their first album. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know that guy? Everybody knows him. Yeah, it's some weird it, version that, of that. It's crazy to me, because I, I mean, in a perfect world, everybody would, would love cryptozoology as much sure. as I do. Because, yeah. you know, I would make a friend in every corner, you know, I'd walk yeah. up to any person and be like, great, <laughs> we're relating about Bigfoot now. But yeah. that's, you know, you've got people who don't want that. <laughs> like, do you just not <laughs> yeah, want them to I, meet I can't explain another it. human being that likes Bigfoot? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I really want to hear how you got into this and you sort of buried the lead by mentioning offhandedly that you started doing paranormal investigations when you were just a little kid. Yes. So how did that all start for you? So I grew up in um, New Hampshire, like right in the heart of, you know, haunted, crazy old New England. Um, And my dad, my dad and I have been very close the entirety of my life. Um, my dad uh, was a teenager in a town in Massachusetts called Amesbury, which is one of the oldest towns in Massachusetts. Um, it's got a lot of really rich, old history. Um, and from an early age, my dad was very interested in, yeah. in that history. He's like a big history buff. He loves like the history aspect of just about everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when he was growing up, he kind of he was a, a book nerd. And, you know, stuck his head in all the books to learn as much as he could. Um, And somewhere along the lines, he started to learn about, you know, the paranormal world and how uh, some of the history of old Massachusetts related to that. Um, And, you know, I think as he started to learn more about it, he started to kind of uh, realize that he had some sort of a sensitivity to the paranormal. Um, and when he was a kid, he would, you know, he has nine brothers and sisters. So, wow. um, plenty of people to kind of do little experiments with about like his sensitivity to the paranormal and their sensitivity to the paranormal. Right. And, you know, they grew up in a house that had activity in it. Um, which I think is a little bit how my dad kind of like pivoted from being just a history buff to a paranormal history buff is, you know, sure. his experience in these things. Um, and realizing that he was a little bit sensitive to it. Um, So, uh, and then my Nana, my dad's mom, um, she was very, very into UFOs. Um, Any, anything to do with UFOs and aliens, she was right there. uh, And she wanted to know as much as she could about it. Um, And eventually, 
in the early days of the the connection between the UFO and uh, the Sasquatch sightings, that that very very like beginning start to like of people you know correlating those things. Um, yeah, Nana was right there, kind of learning about it as it was you know growing. Um, so That's when awesome. I was a little kid, I would stay up all night watching ghost shows with my dad. Um, and I, it never scared me. I was just like, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Nana babysat me a lot when I was a kid and she would tell me, you know, <clears throat> she'd be like, oh, you like ghosts? Like you might like this. She would tell me about some of the UFOs that she saw, like while she was alive. And, you know, I eventually she started, you know, adding in the stories about Bigfoot. She kind of waited a little bit on the Bigfoot stuff, uh, because she was worried it would scare me. Um, but I, I've definitely, I, I've told the story of my family's like Sasquatch encounter when I was like five, I think, five, like either five or eight. I, to be honest with you, it's been a very long time, so yeah, I don't totally remember. But I was a small kid, and my my family like experienced, you know, what I and my dad think was a Sasquatch at our old home. Um, so kind of until that came out, uh, my nana would keep that stuff, that part of it. To herself yeah uh but when i was a kid you know i knew that my dad would go and do paranormal investigations that was like something he was really excited about and uh you know he would go out at night and come back and he'd be like you know like come here kid like let me show you some of the stuff we got you should me some pictures and some audio recordings and mm-hmm. i just thought it was really cool and when i was a, like a, a small child i would ask my parents if i could go yeah and they would not let me go for a long time um, and then eventually they caved and they were like, okay, you can go. I'd like definitely wore them down. <laughs> they were like, okay, fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Fine, you can yeah. go. Um, and I, I, up until a couple, like probably about a month ago, I had thought that I started doing it when I was eight. My dad corrected me and pulled out a photo album of my very first ghost hunt, <laughs> which actually was in awesome. 2001, which is when I okay. was six. And I was like, wow. okay, so it was even earlier than I than I thought it was. Um, but I was like, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and since then, I just, you know, I mean, it, it's different now that I live so far away from my dad. But um, since then, I just, I've gone on so many investigations with him, without him. You know, I've had a lot of friends that have been like, oh, I've never gone ghost hunting. I've been like, bet, let's go. Like, right now, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> and <laughs> right. it's been a huge part of my life. Um the cryptid stuff was like a little bit later like the ghosts were first yeah and then it was the ufos and the aliens um and the cryptids were probably like i would say like eight or nine maybe maybe ten okay um i remember watching late night tv like three in the morning and there was a Mm -hmm. show about actually the mothman and i remember seeing it and being like terrified of it yeah um i were like i would be in the car with my parents like looking out the window like expecting <laughs> the off man above our car but i thought it was fascinating and um just about immediately after that i was like okay i need to learn as much as i can about every single weird thing that's ever happened in the history of forever yeah um i was also like Are one you... of those kids that was obsessed with ancient egypt and like oh yeah roman culture <laughs> like, mythologies and yeah, all oh that yeah. oh yeah. yeah so yeah i feel like those are the building blocks to being the weirdo i am today absolutely are you a horror movie person no 
Not at okay. all. I don't like... So, in theory, I, I like a good horror movie, but I am so very against jump scares as a thing. I don't like them at all. Well, I only ask because it would make sense if you were a horror movie person, if you experienced something that scared you and you ran toward it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I think for me, like, I think the curiosity is what, like, I think the curiosity has always outweighed the fear. Yeah. It's like the the undying uh, desire to know, or at least, like, experience something has always outweighed the fear to me. Yeah, okay. okay. In those situations. I, not with horror movies, obviously. Right, right. But, I don't know. I think uh, wanting to experience and wanting to get as many answers as I can has been more important to me than the temporary fear that you feel when you experience something like that. I mean, that seems to be true among all of the best investigators Mm -hmm. you know if you read like john keel's stuff he will straight up say you know and then i did the dumbest thing i possibly could have done and i went back it's like i needed to know yeah and that's always when he has the craziest experiences yeah well that's awesome so like yeah despite the fear the curiosity won out yeah and you stayed well it's still it's still like that too you know like yeah I think um, my my mom my mom is like very different than myself and my dad. She is like afraid of her own shadow. She hates anything scary. Yeah. She like will. She doesn't want to do the ghost thing. She doesn't want to do any of that. Um, and I think she was hoping that maybe one day I would grow out of that. And sure. Be like okay, you know that's enough for me. Um, and. It's it's just it's not gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna crawl into that weird cave that somebody saw a goblin in once and just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter. Or, you know, we just went to like the world's most haunted place and let's go back because I think something might have touched me and we need to see yeah. it again. You know. Well, you know, I've asked a lot of people that question, how they got into it, and you are constantly hearing references to these tv shows from the 90s and the early 2000s you hear unsolved mysteries all Mm -hmm. the time you hear sightings but a lot of unsolved mysteries x-files x-files yes but you know when you think about it everyone in our generation was watching those shows oh yeah and most people are not going to the mothman festival yeah it's it's very weird so i'm curious what was different you know, I mean, obviously you had a dad who was into yes. it, so yeah. that definitely helped you. But I wonder what makes some people hold on to this stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I I do think about that a lot, though, because, you know, I talk to people, you know, at work or I mean, even in these last couple like days trying to get to know some of my new team members and stuff. Uh, a lot of them have told me like, yeah, when I was younger, like I really liked that stuff or like you know, on the surface level, it's appealing to them, um, but never anything more than that. And it's it's interesting to, to kind of think that, like, you know, we might have watched the same thing at exactly the same time and gone two different paths yeah. with it, you know, where, like, I fell down the rabbit hole and said, you know, that's, that's my niche, that's what I like now. Yeah. And, like, someone else walked away from it being like, yeah, I like that, but... I'm not going to make my whole personality out of it. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, it's very yeah. weird. It is. It definitely is. I think people, for the most part, 
do find something that mm-hmm. they latch on to, right? Mm-hmm. When I think about my own childhood, like, I was really into this stuff when I was young, but then I found music, specifically yeah. playing music, mm-hmm. you know, and that took over for most of my youth. Yeah. And I don't think it was until I realized that music, you know, as a career, as a focus, was no really, no longer really a viable option. You know, being married, having children. Yeah. I just could no longer devote like 30 hours a week sitting around someone's garage. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you kind of fell back on the thing you knew, yeah. the thing that was exactly. like still there. I also, I wonder how much of it too is like... I I was very fortunate to grow up in a household where my weird interests um, were supported and understood. Right. Because um, I know that not everybody experiences that. Oh, for um, sure. And I wonder how much of it really is that, like, you know, maybe some kid was like, you know, I really love, I love Bigfoot and got bullied enough that, you know, and didn't have that support system of like, hey, it's okay to believe in things that other people don't believe in. Yeah. Uh, and kind of were like, you know what? I don't care about this anymore. I'm not going to pursue this. Yeah. Because, you know, people are going to judge me. People are going to make fun of me. Because um, <clears throat> yep. I know for me, like, that's never deterred me from doing anything ever. Sure. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> like it shows me in the opposite direction. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I'm like, oh, yeah. you think this is stupid? I'm going to do it even harder just to spite yeah. you. It's like, so, fuck you, I'm getting a Bigfoot tattoo. Get no, ready literally. for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you think it's dumb? Just wait. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I can get so much more dumb than this then. Um, but I, <laughs> exactly. I, I can't help but think that there are probably like a good percentage of the people who, you know, might have, you know, has started down that path, ran into somebody who discouraged them from it. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of just never looked back because they didn't think that, you know, it was something worth being into. And that's, that's a big like thing of why I will go and talk to my coworkers and be like, yeah, I know it might sound kind of silly, but like, I love Bigfoot, man. Cause if I can even yeah. get one person to be like, you know what? I don't feel ashamed or yeah. weird or like someone's going to make fun of me if I if I say I like this now because you are so like vocal about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think in much the same way that imagination in general is sort of squeezed out of children, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. I mean, even if you look at standard childhood development at about age seven, game playing changes from imagination to rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the games become about rules. Yeah. Like, you have to be on this side of the line when you bounce the ball, or you know what I mean? Yeah. They take the fun out of everything. Yeah, exactly. But I think something like that could definitely happen at later stages of development, too. You know? Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're like 12, 13 years old, you're basically all you're doing is sending signals out and getting signals back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, this thing will get good attention this thing will get Mm -hmm. negative attention people will like me for this they'll shun me for that yeah you know what i mean and i think that spark of interest is so fragile at those young ages it's so easy for it to be extinguished oh yeah it really is i will say too at least like for our generation i think like this this will not be relevant to the upcoming generations i don't think um, but at least for like like growing up for me, there were a lot of periods of time where I looked at some of the people who were really prevalent in a lot of this research and said, well, none of them look like me. 
Yeah. So obviously I can't do that. You know, when I was a, like a little kid, like I, if it weren't for my dad's like constant support of like, you know, you can do whatever you want. If you want to be a ghost hunter forever, you can do that. I don't know that I would have stuck to it because there were no people that looked, there were no women, there were no people. Well, there were women, but you get what I mean. Like, yeah, I mean, the, honestly, most of the women were billed as Mr. Such and Such's wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, and yeah. It, it wasn't, there wasn't anyone for me to look up to. There were no idols sure. for me to kind of be like, oh, I'd like to be like that. Um, yeah. And if it weren't for my dad's constant support of like, hey, you can do whatever you want, kid. Like, you've been doing this for longer than most people. If you want to yeah. be a ghost hunter for the rest of your life, you can. I don't know that I would have continued on this path of like pure weirdness um well that's awesome like i said like the upcoming generations don't have to worry about that as much um yeah absolutely because that is changing oh yeah for sure and i i appreciate the people who make it a point to try and change it you know yes like me screaming on my soapbox i can only do so much uh sure it's you know uh, the community as a whole trying to uplift the voices of people who aren't historically listened to uh that is really making a huge difference um and that is amazing because if even i used to say this actually all the time when i worked at the international cryptozoology museum um one of my absolute favorite things was when little girls would come in and like ask me about bigfoot and cryptids and i'd be like if i can at least be a role model for like one of these little girls that's all i you know could hope for yeah that's awesome even one comes in and says oh my god she looks like me. I could do this yeah. for my life. Then great. My life is made. That's all I needed. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah. I mean, I instantly think of events like Cryptid Bash, right? Mm-hmm. This year, every one of their speakers were women or people of color or people from the LGBT plus community. Yeah. And they made a point to do that. Yeah. You know, because... Well, it's super important. Yeah. Because for so long, the 14 conference circuit has essentially been ruled by 50-year-old white guys. Yes. <laughs> and they all have the same perspective on what's going yeah. on. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing different. Yeah. They're all saying the same thing. And yeah. I, I'm glad that we've started to kind of shake things up a little bit and, yes. and add a little more diversity to our speakers' panels or you know, yep. podcasting as a whole. You know, it's just, it's it's good. And it's it helps with the inclusivity of it too, you know? Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about people being like, oh, am I going to, you know, have a bad time if I try to go to this event? Am I going to, you know, be welcomed into this community? It's like you can look at the people that are in it that are actively, you know, trying to make it a safe place and go, oh my God, yeah, they'll definitely accept me. I can definitely pursue this weird interest of mine in this community that is like, so accepting of every kind of person yeah awesome and i mean there is definitely a contingency of well white guys who are afraid of that shift of that change because they feel like it will shove them out yeah it's like if you're if you're saying something that's worth listening to then you don't have to worry about being shoved out exactly and you know as a straight white man myself i can say that The benefit that I see in that change is that the marketplace of ideas becomes more wealthy. Yes. Right? Oh my god, yeah. You you just get more. 
It's yeah. just more, and more Absolutely. is always better when it comes to ideas. Yeah, no, for sure, because we're not circulating the same stale idea from 50 years ago. Yes. That Bigfoot is just this thing, and can only be this thing, because the, the ancient old men said so. Yes, you know? exactly. It's, it's, exactly. It's, you get these refreshing ideas and these new uh, ways of doing things that just benefit everybody yeah you know you look at some of the some of the research that's being done now compared to 20 30 years ago and you've got new methods new tactics that people are using and they're yielding not necessarily better results but different results that they weren't getting back then that you can you take all that data and you put it together and it furthers the research (laughs) it's the whole point absolutely yeah (laughs) And, you know, we're really starting to see the influence of that shift, Mm -hmm. that new input. You have guys like Lyle Blackburn, who is as legitimate a cryptozoologist as exists on Earth. Right? Like, it's what he does. It's who he is. Yeah, absolutely. And he, over the last year, has been giving this talk on the minority, you know, amount of Bigfoot sightings that involve high strangeness. Yeah. And 20 years ago, there's no fucking way that a speech like that would be showing up on those speaking circuits. There's no way. Yeah, absolutely. They'd be like, no, you're out of your mind. Yep. And I, I respect like the old Bigfooters as much as everybody else. Sure. Of course. You know, a lot of them paved the way for what information and research abilities we have now. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely like, important to embrace the new generation and embrace the change that they bring Mm -hmm. Um, because again you're just going to be circulating the same stale idea uh, that somebody came up with 50 years ago if you don't ever embrace that new change so it's it's really nice to see some of that stuff like coming to fruition you see seeing some of these like new topics being brought up during panels or speaking moments and stuff it's sick yeah, that's awesome. You know, there's a reason why a simple Google search will yield a thousand documentaries about the Loch Ness Monster that are all essentially the same. Literally. They've all been made over the last 60 <laughs> years, you know, and because yeah, people just absolutely. keep saying the same shit over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you so know, over the last five to ten years, we have this influx of awesome documentaries like... You know, you have small town monster stuff, you have Hellier, you have all the dockside media stuff and just blending in these new ideas. And I personally find it incredibly refreshing. Yeah, me too. I just, and I also just like learning about every, I feel like it gives you uh, more, I'm trying to think of the right word, more paths to discover. You know what I mean? Like instead of you're just sitting here thinking like, let's keep using Bigfoot as an example. Like you've got sure. flesh and blood Bigfoot and like, that's the only thing you've ever known. Now you kind of have these other uh, ideas to explore and you can kind of yeah. form your own opinion based on these other, all these other ideas and all this other research that you can now go and do yourself because it's more accessible. Um, yeah. And, and all those other things. And all those individual paths are also paths for other people into mm-hmm. the idea. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Like, I would say there are just as many people today getting into cryptozoology from a zoological standpoint as there are people getting into it from spirituality. Yeah. They start there and they end up at Bigfoot. I mean, because there are so many different ways in now, which is 
just awesome. It is really cool. I'm, I'm glad that it's that it's kind of developed into this really accessible, really inclusive kind of field yeah. for for everyone to enjoy. For sure. All right. So before we go, just let the audience know where to follow you, what to look forward to, what you have going on. Cool. Just let Will them know. Do. Um, so my personal Instagram is at Cryptid Baddie. Um, and then I have at the Crypto Chats podcast and at Manic Extreme Ghouls on Instagram. Um, as far as things coming up, like there will be some more Manic Extreme Ghouls episodes coming pretty soon. Uh, like I said earlier, we have a few episodes written. We're just, you know, trying to find time to record them. And uh, this whole month uh, and the next month and a half or so of Crypto Chats will be all uh, Texas related episodes because kind of to celebrate my move to Texas. Yeah. So everything awesome. will be Texas related for the next month and a half or so. I got some really, really fun episodes that I'm excited to share. <laughs> so excellent. Excellent. Also, links to everything will be found in the episode description. So if you want to keep up Ooh. with what Kinsey's doing, definitely hit that episode description and they'll all be there for you. Yay. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for this having was awesome. me. I know this. This is a lot yeah. of fun. I'm really glad we finally got to make it happen. Yeah, me too. I mean, you're 100% welcome back anytime. Oh, I think. Next time we should definitely get into some of the experiences you had while ghost hunting. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I would love to. That'd be sick. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep campfire tales of the strange and unsettling and that's it until next time i'm ryan i'm jordan and remember campers stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown